For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to the Promised Land, a show all about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined as ever by football journalist and United season ticket holder Rob Blanchett. You can subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify and the like. And you can watch us now too twice a week on Tuesdays and Fridays. So head over to our YouTube channel, hit the like button, subscribe, join the community, leave a comment. We're getting some nice comments uh, on our most recent show, so please join in. Uh, And the link should be in the description of this episode if you're listening on audio. Uh, Rob, it's still the international break, and that means, unfortunately, that football is quite boring. Uh, (laughs) How are you doing? Not too bad. Uh, enjoying some boring stupor from football with the international break. It's one of those things. I think I think I said this last week. It, it's always a little bit of dip in our work, but there's still obviously stuff going on. And then before you know it, click, we're straight back into the Premier League. So we're not too far away from that. And I think this show now will prepare our uh, our audience and our viewers for what is to come. Apparently, United should have a new manager in before Saturday. So, um, you know, according, <laughs> according to some fans, we'll talk about that today, uh, although that's not going to happen. Uh, we, we all know that. Uh, we'll talk about Louis van Gaal advising one of the potential managers against taking the job. Uh, obviously knows the role <laughs> uh, due to his experience from a few years ago. Uh, we'll talk about Luis Enrique. He's had some things to say about his job with Spain and links to United. And we'll talk about Wayne Rooney talking about bloody everything. Uh, <laughs> later on, he's uh, he's turned up on a night, and I think he's had a few things to say with some choice language involved. Uh, I'm not sure whether we can repeat that today. Are we explicit? I'm not sure. Uh, Luke Shaw's comments as well around playing for England and Manchester United. We'll get into that later on, and we'll also talk about Marcus Rashford too. Uh, so a reminder: you can sub- you can subscribe, as I've said already, but you can follow us on Twitter too at underscore Scott Saunders for me, at underscore Rob underscore B for Rob, and for the show at Promised Land MU. Uh, let's talk about Louis van Gaal to start with, Rob, because I think that is possibly the most interesting thing to come out of this last few days. Uh, so Eric Ten Hag has obviously been talking to United about taking over from Ralph Ranić, who's the interim manager, ahead of next season. As I mentioned just now, some fans want him in now, which is just not going to happen, or announced now. Do, you, do we really think that we're going to... like? completely undo Ajax's title bid in in the in the Dutch league I'm not so sure we'll talk about that in a little bit as well but Van Gaal has said I'm just going to dig up the comments here because Van Gaal obviously worked for United for two years between 2014 and 16 uh, and was sacked just after winning the FA Cup for Jose Mourinho who came in after him now he was quite critical and has been quite critical over the years of the way that United work and being a fellow Dutchman, uh, Van Gaal has had this advice for Eric Ten Hag. Eric Ten Hag is a great manager, and that's always good for Manchester United, but Manchester United is a commercial club. He would be better off going to a football club. I'm not going to advise him, but he should choose a football club, not a commercial one. Now, Van Gaal, obviously, I think he's telling the truth. He's telling the truth there. Fans know this, that, that United put commercial interest before football. 
Edward Wood once said along the lines of, it doesn't matter how this team do on the pitch, we're going to make money anyway. Uh, and, you know, that's stuck with United for the last 10 years. So Van Gaal is right, isn't he, Rob? Uh, do you think this advice will get into Ten Hag's head? Well, Louis Van Gaal is many things, but certainly one thing he is, is he's honest and he's straight. And he likes to talk about these things, I think, in a certain tone. Uh, I've had uh, United fans kind of message me and contact me on Twitter and send tweets saying Van Gaal is bitter because he got sacked and blah, blah, blah. But Louis Van Gaal is totally 100% correct. Man United are a commercial football club first and, and then a football club itself second. So I think that's a very difficult prospect for any coach who wants to come to any team and create something on the green grass. Everything else is made for you at Manchester United. The sponsorship, <coughs> excuse me, the money, it's all there. Um, but we are always talking about United's shortcomings in their stadium, on the road, playing football. These are the problems at Man United and they haven't been solved for the best part of 10 years. So I think with, with Eric Ten Hag, this is going to be the big obstacle for Man United to convince him that they are a football project, that they can bring a coach in to achieve. Because this is the thing, Eric Ten Hag does not want to become the next Man United failure. Louis van Gaal's got that on his CV. Jose Mourinho's got that on his CV. Two kind of Hall of Fame managers. And Ten Hag's making his next step into management, isn't he? He's done really well at Ajax. So is he going to take his job? I just think with with Van Gaal's comments, uh, I think he's right to make that assertion because we see it all ourselves. And I, I don't care really what fans say about his comments. I think it's more of a case of knowing what Manchester United is. Do you think that United recognise <laughs> that they have been run as a commercial club uh, and it's been to the detriment of their progress over the last few years? And will Richard Arnold look to change that? And is Ten Hag the kind of manager that will make a statement that things are changing? Well, as I said before, I think if you win on a football pitch, you tend to make more money. That's how it works. But if you do have a goal of making money first and then maybe success coming somewhere down the line, you tend not to win, Scott. So I do think that Richard Arnold... He's put his front foot forward and said, yeah, I'm not going to take certain football decisions. And this is why we've got this structure. All of that sounds lovely, doesn't it? But you've got to let it see if it plays out. Because we see with this board over and over again that they've made promises over the years over a million different subjects and they don't follow through. We're seeing it now at the moment with the fan review. So they told us quite directly that they wanted more interaction with fans. They wanted to show, be more honest and open and put stuff on the table and explain themselves. And that was a few months ago, and it's all gone quiet. That's what they do. So this is the problem with this board. So we cannot change the Man United board. They can only change their own goals. And of course, the problem is, is for them is that, yes, money is the priority. So I, if I'm a coach and I'm looking for a job at a top team, Man United might not be my first choice, but it's up to Man United to convince me that, that they want me to do the job. So this is the whole thing about Ten Hag. They can certainly offer him the world, and they can put, you know, put a lot of money in his pockets, but can they offer him the legacy that he would want as a football coach, the legacy that Liverpool have given Klopp, and that Manchester City and Barcelona and Bayern Munich before that gave Guardiola? not 100% sure. And I think that is going to be an ongoing theme for us in maybe the next year or two or more. Yes, indeed. And I think that it has emerged in the last few days that there are other clubs 
across the continent who are potentially interested in Eric Ten Hag. I think there's one from Germany. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if the clubs have been actually revealed, but you know, he's no. a man in demand. He will have decisions to make. And while United will probably be the biggest club on offer, it doesn't necessarily mean it's the right choice. Exactly. And I think, again, when we refer back to Louis van Gaal, you've got, you've got to remember where he was when he joined Manchester United. So he'd just been with the Dutch national side. They had a really good World Cup. He had Robin van Persie in his team at the top end. And, and all was great. And you go and take him. He's a generational coach. You bring him into your football club. You do change a lot of things to start off with. As I think I said before, he changed the grass and the floodlights and literally was trying to repump the oxygen into, into Carrington to say, right, no, you've got to breathe this oxygen and not at that oxygen. And even then with him, they gave him 10 new signings over two years, 10, spent £280 million. It didn't work. So we've seen a precedent there that May United kind of put the money up but then don't follow through with the whole project. And I think with Van Gaal, when he came to the club, he was kind of at the end of his career, his managerial career. I don't think that helped anything at all. So I think United will try the next young hotshot thing, which is Ten Hag. He's not that young, funny enough. 52, is, I think he is. He, he's older than Pochettino. Um, but I do think that, that this is where United are doing their due diligence now, is that they need to make sure that this appointment is fit for purpose. Ten Hag is a great coach and could be a real, an amazing coach in the future. But if he has his legs cut off by this Man United board when he comes to Old Trafford, what is the point? So he, I think he'll realise that. I think he'll look at that. And if there is a better sporting project for him, there's every chance that he might choose that. Germany is obviously in his heart. He's worked there before, worked for Bayern Munich. Um, it would not surprise me if he ends up in the Bundesliga. Same here. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, fans getting impatient, I suppose, mm -hmm. uh, because... The word is that obviously United have spoken to Ten Hag. I think yeah. there's suggestions that they've spoken to Pochettino over the last few days. I think Friday might have been the name that that was, that was the day that was dropped to me. Uh, there's probably other candidates in in the frame as well. Uh, we'll talk about Luis Enrique in a bit, but that's not going to happen, especially now <laughs> in this next yeah. week or so. Uh, let's just dispel this kind of myth, Rob, because United are not going to announce a new manager this week are they like let's let's take pochettino as an example pochettino is going to have to be if he's if he's sacked by psg at the end of the season he's going to have to be him and his coaching staff are going to have to be paid off to the mm -hmm. direction of 15 to 20 million euros and are you not going to really want to pay that 15 to 20 million euros in compensation to psg when psg could sack him anyway and they could get him for nothing essentially no i don't, I don't think so so that's not that's not going to happen Plus PSG are in a title race. Are United going to go in and say to Ajax, we're taking your manager off you and we're going to tell the world about it now. And then you just deal with that in your league campaign, which has, what, eight games to go or something like that. Let's ju you just, you decide that. We, we saw with United and Sir Alex Ferguson, I think it was like 2001, 2002, when he announced midway through the season that he was going to leave. United dropped off completely. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's not the case. It's, it's not going to happen, is it, Rob? I mean... They might put their work in now and set something up, but it's, nothing's going to be announced formally until the end of the season. No, not at all. So, again, I think football fans have to kind of buy into the timeline of these things. And one thing I hear a lot, especially from United fans, is how comes Chelsea and City can go tomorrow, get a player and announce him the next day? 
well, that's not true either. What happens is there is a period of due diligence, you get things sorted, and then you announce it. The difference is with Man United is that we live in the public eye all the time. The spotlight is on the football club non-stop. You know, if someone eats their fish finger sandwich, weirdly, at Carrington, it makes the back pages. That's kind of how it is at Man United. I think when you look at the, the manager announcement and the fans, yes, I understand the fans are desperate for something to hold on to. But this process must be done correctly. What is the point in trying to appoint a manager with a few games left of the season? You've just been knocked out of all the competitions because <laughs> that's where you stand now as a football club. And that manager is going to le- like wreck his potential season by saying, yeah, I'm coming to your football club. It just doesn't happen like that. It only ever happens when managers are out of contract. That's the only time that a manager would get announced maybe before the end of a campaign. So if Ten Hag is your guy, or if Pochettino is your guy, they are both under contract, you cannot do anything to those football clubs. Those football clubs will put their feet down and they will stamp, and you've got to negotiate with them the release of that guy at the end of the season. So you can't risk it. Uh, I, I do think, like again, with the, the maybe the traffic generated by fan channels and how it's felt that, you know, this must be done today, and if they don't do this today, they're this, that, and the other, and you should only interview one guy because that's the guy you need. No, that's not how business works. It's not how the football business works. It's not how real life works. You interview everyone. You do due diligence. You work it through, and then you announce it. So I got no problem with May United not announcing anything. This is why you bought Ralph Rannikin. I think what it shows more than anything, Scott, is that May United, when they sacked Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, should have had a plan and should have given the job full-time to someone. That's what they should have done and given their, their their club a chance. Tottenham did that. We were talking about Everton before there. You know, when you sack a manager, you go and get your full-time manager. It doesn't matter if it works or not. That's probably the right process. Man United live in this interim heaven, don't they? Of like, oh, interim, and then you know, just sort it out in six months. That's not normal either. So I think for football fans, unfortunately, you're going to have to sit on this one and just wait for it. It will happen. It's, we're not far away from the summer now, are we? And the coach will be announced once that season is complete. It's probably going to be uh, um, Ten Hag as it stands. It could very well be Pochettino. And I think that PSG might want Pochettino to go. So Man United might wait for that and not pay the 22.5 million euros to release him because that's a lot of money um, when you could get him effectively for free. And and I think those two guys are way ahead of the field. Just talks about Lewis Enrique, no chance. You know, I don't really think he even has a huge ambition to come to Man United, though I, I am aware that Manchester United have been speaking to him. Yeah, so on, on Lewis Enrique, he has said ahead of Spain's next match uh, over this international break, I will be in Qatar with Spain because I've given my word and there is nothing that makes me more excited than representing my country in the World Cup. Later, we will see. But that's going to be in December. Uh, mm. we, we spoke the other day about could United wait that long and have and have Ralph Rannick as an interim until that point? Potentially. Just Are United going to do forever. that? Just have no. an interim forever. Let's, let's just... Yeah. Another couple yeah. of years of an interim. You know, it's just... It, it's a strange way. As I talk about running football businesses and things like that, football clubs. It's a strange way to conduct your business, to do it like that. Why didn't you just go and find the right manager but maybe speed it up a little bit and do it in mid-season. But, you know, just talk about there about Luis Enrique. Um, I, I think as well, he he did not enjoy the political side of Barcelona when he was at that football club. And I think he does enjoy the freedom of being a national team coach where you're not on the training ground every day of the week. There's a little bit more planning. You can have a little bit more of a life off the back of it, of being a top coach. 
come to Man United, what are you going to do? <laughs> this is the, the biggest political entity in world football up there with Madrid and Barcelona. So I'm not 100% convinced that he would look at United and say, yeah, I want a bit of that. You know, it's a, it's a big gig. Someone will want to do it. I just don't think it will be Luis Enrique. What about Roberto Mancini, Rob? He masterminded Italy's failure to qualify. Well, no, he didn't really. <laughs> but, you know, it's just a way of putting it. If Italy had strikers who could score at international level, then they probably would have been fine. But nonetheless, he will not be at the World Cup with Italy. The suggestions are that he's going to stay on because he mm-hmm. is under contract, obviously. And he has said along the lines of intending to honour that. Could you not, or could United go and prize him away from Italy? Is it a good idea? Do you think that it's worth exploring? Because we haven't really seen not anything concrete yet beyond the two to four names that have been linked with the United role. No, I, th- I think uh, we had Mark Bosnich on our show, didn't we, a few weeks ago? And um, Boz's real tip for the job was Roberto Mancini. This is obviously before Italy had this terrible qualification against uh, North Macedonia and, uh, and, and, and didn't get through to, to what they would expect to be at a major tournament, you know, the European champions. Um, I think when you look at Mancini, would he, again, want to come back to England? Would he want to do that job? People are saying, well, you know, ex-Man City, he'd want to prove himself. Not, again, so convinced by that. I think he earned a lot of money while he was in England. He did win the Premier League title. He did showed that he or he proved that he's a he's a, a very very good manager more than competent but i think you also got to see scott about how quickly a manager stock can plummet so he's gone from mm-hmm. being european champions and do you remember italy were on that run weren't they were they kind of unbeaten for 30 games was it 30, something like that I think it was like 36 games a crazy like that, amount yeah. of games in international <laughs> football and you end that you know at wembley stadium beating you know the host and favorite at that point in england and uh, and you're the champion and then within a few months, you haven't qualified for the World Cup. So he has got a new contract. And I do think as well that there isn't a feeling in Italy that they're suddenly just going to throw him under the bus. He's, a, he's an Italian legend. He has done well with the, with the international team. And he's a very good coach. So I don't think, again, he's particularly on the list. Have Man United spoken to him? As far as I'm aware, that that is a no. I think the other guy on the list, of course, is Lopetegui. Um he went to Real Madrid and lasted about 37 days, I remember. So do you want to go down that route? I, I think the answer to that, again, is no. I think still the wild card in all of this is Diego Simeone. You know, if we see where Atletico end up at the end of the season. I think he does want a new project. We've heard this consistently. Uh, he is also under contract. Uh, but there could be a kind of parting of ways in a mutual sense, which would open the door for Man United. Man United do not want to pay a big severance fee for a manager. This is why you've got an interim. So uh, I think that Can I pick that you happens, up on that point, actually? Because I think Diego Simeone is one of, if not the highest paid manager in world football, I think. The highest paid. I think he's the highest paid manager in world football. Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying that United should go and buy him out of his contract with Atletico Madrid, but United break transfer records for players. Why wouldn't you do it for a manager? I think it's because it's about image for the football club. So I've often said about Man United is that they like to generate a new cycle. They enjoy it. It's part of the business. So, yeah, going to get Diego Simeone out of his half a million pound a week contract, I mean, he's the highest paid manager in world football and has been for quite a long time. People might put two and two together and say, well, yeah, that's the kind of thing Man United would want to do. But again, Diego Simeone's stock is not high. So if you're taking someone at the very, very top and you're going to pay the money for them, Man United have got history of doing that. 
But what Man United have got more history of is waiting for someone to be free, like Cristiano now. He's, you know, you pay the fee, but effectively you're getting him on the cheap. But he's old. That's a problem. Diego Simeone, his stock is falling. Therefore, you can insert yourself into the conversation, maybe convince him that his new world should be at Manchester United. And we're seeing this repeatedly. But then on the other flip side of it, you've got some like Ten Hag and Pochettino, who are maybe the, the, the fresh faces of world football. And you're thinking, can we gamble on these guys? And they'll be relatively cheaper, won't they? Those two would be cheaper than getting someone like Jenga Simeone because you've got to have to pay him the money that he earns now. So I think that for, for United, a lot of this comes down to image. And if something is shining and excites fans, then they'll do it. Would Diego Simeone excite you, Scott? Would we? Would you sit there today if I said, I'm Man United and I'm paying this guy half a million quid a week? Would you sit there and go, can't wait to watch this football? I don't think United don't, fans would. I, the fans wouldn't. And I think the players would be in for a culture shock as well, given the way that they performed uh, and the effort levels that they Absolutely. put in over the last few years. So, yeah, I, I mean, there's two clear candidates, I think, and it's yeah. still a case of... <laughs> what will happen between those two. Yeah. Still, nothing's really changed. I think the preference or the, the leader is Eric Ten Hag, um, but wouldn't rule out Pochettino yet. But you, you mentioned Cristiano Ronaldo there. Mm -hmm. uh, Ronaldo, Bruno Fernandes and Diogo Dallo have the chance to reach the World Cup tonight. I think it's tonight. We were recording this on Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, and they play Italy's victors, North Macedonia in Portugal uh, for a place in the World Cup. So... Mm -hmm. Cristiano could end up going to what would be one of his final tournaments, although he has batted down suggestions that he could retire as well. Uh, but also in this international break, uh, Marcus Rashford's not been called up by England. And I want to kind of throw in some comments uh, from Wayne Rooney over the last few days, which have been circling around because he's, he's had a word to say on Marcus Rashford, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, Rio Ferdinand, the Man United job, and I'm just going to try and dig them up, Rob, because he had a lot to say. Uh, I think it was at like some kind of evening with an audience. And where should we go first? Do you want to talk about Marcus Rashford first? And I'll let's, I'll open up with I'll open up with what he said about Marcus Rashford. Uh, I will not swear, even though his comments just bleep it out in your uh, as you talk it through. <laughs> bleep 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 bleep, Marcus bleep bleep. What I hope is that Marcus Rashford bleeping gets his head out of his bleep and goes and breaks that record, as in the goal-scoring record, which he holds. He's a Manchester lad. Gets his head out of his arse. Mm. <laughs> arse, <laughs> arse is fine. Like We can we can say that. But uh, yeah, uh, it doesn't surprise me that this has come from Wayne Rooney, but it, it you know, usually is a lot more measured and calm. You know, I think he must, he must have had a drink here. I think Rio Ferdinand is... Uh, has alluded to that in his own show. Uh, and this has just come from Wayne Rooney, essentially just letting loose a little bit. And there's more comments, which we'll pick up in a little bit. Uh, he also said, to get the record and be Manchester United's highest, highest goal scorer is effing massive. Uh, but I hope the record is broken. And that's when he led on to what he said about Marcus Rashford. So Rashford has not been called up by England. Uh, there's still uncertainty over what Rashford wants to do. Wayne Rooney clearly thinks he should stay at United and try and break his goal-scoring record. Uh, what do you make of the situation as it stands, Rob? Oh, Marcus Rashford is not going to break anyone's goal-scoring record ever. You know, this, he might score lots of goals, but I doubt he will be a record goal-scorer. Um, I think this is a real delicate one, both sides of the coin, because we have discussed Marcus and where he is and what's going on in his world. And I've 
said repeatedly now as well that he I don't think wants to be Marcus Rashford MBE, you know, Sir Marcus Rashford, the guy that goes and solves global issues and, you know, talks to Boris Johnson on on a hotline to the to number 10. I don't think he wants to be that guy. I think he wants to be a footballer. But I also think on the flip side, saying he needs to get his you know what out of his backside, I just think it's a little bit more complicated than that, isn't it? Because it's what the football club is. The football club is is in a mess and has been in a mess for a while. And I do think that your cornerstones of that football club are feeling the pressure more than ever. And Marcus is part of that that problem. So there's two ways of solving this, isn't there? Because you either stay and work it out and try and work with a new manager and play your way back into form. That's a normal thing to do. Or you decide that this football club is rotten at the highest level and that you don't want any part of it. And I think Marcus might be leaning towards the latter. And would we blame him? So all footballers want to win stuff. They don't stay somewhere just because they supported the team. I was thinking about Matthew Letizia at Southampton, where every top team in the world wanted him. And he went, no, I'm happy at Southampton. Really? That's not normal. That doesn't. Players are generally ambitious and want to go places. I think Marcus is the same. I think if he got an opportunity elsewhere at Man, uh, away from Man United, uh, top club, then he could be tempted with a good wage and an opportunity to go and win. Um, the Barcelona link won't go away. Barcelona have made it very, very clear to his representatives representatives before that they like him and that would they would love him to come to, to Spain one day. And that is on the table. So this is where Man United are and where Marcus Rashford is. And I do think that if Marcus left, that might not be the worst thing for all parties. You know, I like Marcus. I think he's I think he could be a carry on and, and be great again and get back to where he, he once was not so long ago. But it's not the end of the world, is it? You know, this is, I, I'm very open about football. I think if a footballer needs a new challenge, go and take it. Go abroad, go and do what you've got to do. Don't sit and fester and rot. It's all very well Wayne having his, you know, putting his feelings out there, what he thinks about players. But, you know, Wayne wasn't always a saint at Man United. wasn't always in great form. You know, Wayne really had big chunks of pretty bad form at Man United that kept him out of the team, you know. Fergie went and bought Robin Van Persie because of Wayne Rooney, you know, because Wayne Rooney wasn't doing for him what he wanted. So these things do happen. And I do think a new manager might be able to reinvigorate Marcus Rashford. But I will say this, I don't think Ten Hag is that guy for him. I don't think a technical coach playing that style of 4-3-3 will really help Marcus at all. I think Marcus needs a, a different kind of coach. Pochettino's probably I more think Poch is the, is the one that would suit yeah. him. I mean, Poch would probably come in and suit a lot of the current squad that are already there. Yeah. Uh, so it depends which way United want to go with this. I think Poch is probably the one who will be able to work with what he's got a little bit more and Ten Hag might be more of the the guy who needs to revolutionise style of play and playing a squad. Poch will be closer to Solskjaer. Now, people mm-hmm. might be like, oh my God, what do you mean? I just mean in sense of sensibility about how you approach a squad, how you motivate them and how you get them out on, with, uh, on a football pitch with your tactics. So they're not stylistically completely the same, but do not be surprised that Poch comes along and starts playing 4-2-3-1 and Marcus Rashford on the left side of that and Jaden on the right. So this is the thing. I think United fans, again, this is why I think there's a big groundswell away from Pochettino. There's a lot of educated United fans who kind of think, mm, I don't want to see the same thing again. There's also a whole load of Man United fans who are a bit like, sell everyone, get rid of everyone. You know, what's the best fresh start? So people think that that will be Ten Hag, of course. But I I think that Pochettino still, you know, he could still very much get the job. And I think if Pochettino was there with Rashford, 
then you might see Marcus stay another season and try and work it out. And that would not surprise me at all. Uh, if this isn't in the script, Rob, and we haven't talked about this, but I have just remembered that United have been, uh, or it's been suggested over the last couple of days that United want Harry Kane, regardless of who the manager is. And I don't know if you've seen this, uh, but, you know, those Harry Kane links come and go so frequently. Uh, I don't doubt that United would ideally like to have Harry Kane because he is England captain. He is the commercial dream. He is this striker who scores tons and tons of Premier League goals. But regardless of who the manager is, whether that's Ten Hag, I'm sure Ten Hag could work with him probably. Uh, but is this the right way to go? Uh, and is this an example of United being bad United and not willing to change? Well, first of all, is the story true? Do Man United <laughs> want Harry Kane? The answer to that is yes, they do. They have wanted him for a long time. So this is a story that I wrote about about a year ago, about when, when Harry Kane was at that part with Tottenham where people were talking about the next move and when Pochettino left the club and when the whole Mourinho thing came and went. People were like, you know, what does does Harry Kane want to do? Now, obviously, he did that famous interview with Gary Neville. He kind of put his cards on the table and, and admitted to the world that he would like to leave the club where he's one of their own. Um, but would Harry Kane be interested in Manchester United? That's the other side of the coin. And I think the the truth, again, is that if Manchester City are not interested in rekindling their relationship with him, that they also do want him and did want him going back. Um, would he be open to offers? So I think Newcastle are at play in this as well, that Definitely. Newcastle would love a Harry Kane. I've said before, again, publicly, that they would love him to be their next Alan Shearer. And I think that that might also be the most likely move for him in terms of getting paid and being on a stage. But should Man United buy Harry Kane? That's the other question. And of course, the answer to that is no. Of course you shouldn't. You know, he's, he's getting too old. He's in the latter stages of his career and he gets injured every season. You're going to have to pay him the earth to come to United. And it's not the same as when you signed Robin Van Persie. So people keep telling me again, oh, it's very similar, isn't it? Not at all. Robin Van Persie was the cherry on a cake, but the cake had been there for a while, you know, fermenting and it's there and everyone knows what the cake is. You bring uh, Kane to Man United and it's a different world again. And he's never had that kind of pressure. You know, at, at Tottenham, he, he's always been able to do what he does with freedom being a guy that's come through the ranks and maybe have a lower expectation bar. I think he'd enjoy being at Man United to a certain extent, but could he go and win the Premier League title on his own or with what United have currently got? No. And and I, I get why United fans are a bit cautious of this whole Pochettino-Kane reunion, but I'm just looking at it from football terms. I just don't think that's good for your project if you're looking long-term. Might might help you next year if you had Pochettino and Kane. There might be an uplift. What happens the following year? What happens when Kane gets another knee injury or, you know, is out for three months and you're having to play a kid up top? I think United need to be more shrewd than that. I think you need to look deeper in the market, go and get some gems, but then go and find your next big thing, not a guy who's a shirt seller for England. What you said there is totally right. The Harry Kane thing with Qatar coming up, you know, England's captain. He can't generate more football traffic than that, can you? If you go and buy England's, England's captain, this guy who's a, a generational striker, I, I rate Harry Kane very highly. Um, but it's not the right signing, is it, Scott? Come on. Are man. you, not, just, are you saying, thing. Rob, that you would not like to see Cristiano Ronaldo and Harry Kane as a front two? <laughs> it's the same issue, isn't it? It's exactly <laughs> the same thing. It's like looking in a mirror. It's like it's not that Cristiano isn't good as well. It's not that Cristiano isn't great and hasn't been the, the most fantastic striker of all time, 800 goals plus, et cetera, et cetera. It's, is he right for your project? And the, the truth is the answer for that with Cristiano is no. Is Harry Kane right for your project? Well, at 
450 a week, 500 a week. Oh my God. It'd be on at Tottenham would want a big payoff as well. There's not, you yeah. know, you'd have to pay, you'd have to pay a massive transfer fee for him. I think it would still be around the kind of, Hundred million pound mark, or you Probably know, United, more than that. Yeah. You know, well, in, in terms again, the commercial value of a play, you know, these things do matter in transfer fees. But no, you should have gone and got your Julian Alvarez. So go and get someone like Julian Alvarez. Go and get the kid who's your next big thing. And this is why I think Man City might shy away from Harry Kane now because they've had their fingers burnt by Jack Grealish for a hundred million quid. It's not quite worked out. He might get better. He might improve. The reason why they bought Jack Grealish was exactly the reason we just said there. Qatar's coming up. Jack Grealish is supposed to be the superstar of the England team in that World Cup, and he can't really even get in Man City's team. So they've looked at that £100 million. Is that worth it? Probably not. I don't think they're going to look at Harry Kane with his injury record or kind of coming up to 30 now or coming around that age group and think, yeah, another £100 million on a striker like that is going to really benefit us. I think that they will play Alvarez, and I think they'll look into the market, maybe get rid of Gabriel Jesus and bring in someone as an alternative for him that we've never heard of from Argentina or South America, and we'll all go, who's this player? They got him for 12 million quid. Oh, he's brilliant. So <laughs> I think that's where Man United need to go because they've been doing it wrong for many, many years. Yes, indeed. I mean, I did want to, well, I was going to talk a little bit more about what Wayne Rooney said, but you can get the gist of it. He talked about Ronaldo. He talked about Rio Ferdinand and called him arrogant. Uh, Rio has since responded to that and played it down a little bit. But, um, you know, they're mates get, uh, anyway, so I don't mates. know what that's about. They're bezies, like, they literally train every day, go to go into training every day to come out at Old Trafford every match. They would come out pretty much holding hands every match because they're good <laughs> mates. So, I don't really know what all that's about. Maybe it's a uh, Wayne being a little bit funny. Yeah, he said about Ronaldo, Cristiano was so good and so annoying at the same time. He probably he's probably not as good now, but he's probably just as annoying. That's just tongue in cheek. You know, it is. And uh, do you know what? Let's, let's make a little bit of comment about it. Because I, I say this quite a lot about Wayne and, and Cristiano. Is, of course, that Wayne, when he was a kid, no doubt at 18, 17, best kid in the world, best young footballer I'd ever seen, uh, kind of 16, 17 years old, just a phenomenon, so much better than Ronaldo. But you can't say Wayne Rooney failed in his career. You know, record goal scorer for Man United, record goal scorer for England, plenty of trophies in his bag. But he did underachieve a little bit. He wasn't, you know, he, he could have been better than Cristiano. The difference was that Cristiano was driven by something much higher. You know, Cristiano turned up for training, would stay late. And Wayne, unfortunately, on Fridays would go to the fish and chip shop. That's the truth. That's what used to happen. And Cristiano didn't. So I don't blame fish and chips. I think it's at the end of the day, it's about your own mindset. Uh, he might have been a little bit annoyed by Cristiano's uh, momentum towards greatness. Um, but they'll both be remembered, of course, as Manchester United icons. Will Luke Shaw be remembered as a Manchester United icon? I think that's that's up for debate at the moment. Uh, he has spoken about uh, the atmosphere with England over the last few days. This is going back to just after the England game the other day, after they beat Switzerland. Uh, so a little bit out of date, these, but I think it's still worth a conversation. He said uh, mm -hmm. about the environment here that Gareth creates, Gareth Southgate, that is, you always enjoy it. I think when I come here, for me, it's about enjoyment, playing games with a smile on my face and enjoying it. And obviously he had to go and say, <laughs> I feel like here, when I come here, I always do that. We all love playing for our country. I think everyone does. It's always important to feel like you're wanted. Um, <laughs> I'm not saying that I don't at United. He had to say that the way things are. Um, I, I feel wanted and I enjoy my football, but he had to kind of get the United line in there because it would have read as Luke Shaw likes playing for England. He doesn't like playing for United. 
and even though he has said the United part, he has got some stick for it anyway. But what, what did you make of it, Rob? Do you think it's any in any way controversial or is is he just speaking the truth? Again, I think he's speaking the truth, but a little bit like Lou Van Gaal, isn't it? So uh, I think on this occasion, it's more actually about the fan base rather than the, just the club. So we know at Manchester United, as a, as a bubble, even though players are not happy with losing and what's going on with the board and maybe not having a manager and having an interim and not having a direction, that as a set of players, they're not massively unhappy. It's not like everyone is down in the dumps. So what I'll add to that is this, is that Luke Shaw will sign a new contract, Man United. So he's about to sign a new deal. That will happen. And I think he already knows that the day he puts pen to paper, the United fan base will come for him, won't they? They will. Why are we giving this guy a contract? Why, why, why? Luke Shaw's this, that and the other. Luke Shaw's too heavy. I put that politely because also on social media, they don't say he's too heavy, do they? They say other more insulting things. I think we saw, didn't we, just recently at the Oscars, making it topical yesterday, that sometimes when abuse gets to you, you can kind of do and say stupid things. You know, things do happen, don't they? And I think with Luke Shaw, he's always tried to toe the party line by being completely honest. And he's always said about Man United, things are not good at times. And I like what Luke Shaw says, because I think that he's straight. I want Luke Shaw to sign a new contract. I think he's happy at Man United in general. But I think the, the players do find that the fans repeatedly abusing them through social media and, and getting to them that way, they don't like it. And when he plays for England, it doesn't happen as much. You know, he's still remembered as a guy that scored the goal at the Euros for England, isn't he? You know, and you can see the way he struck that ball in that game. You know, that was Luke Shaw for England going, I'm free to do this. We're at Man United. It's like, can you just overlap and cross the ball, please? Yeah. But there's no one in the box. So it's always about demeanour, I think. And I think with uh, with Luke, he's an honest guy. And I think he knows what he's good at and what he's not good at. And I think actually he's been he's been all right. Like People still say to me this year, oh, he's been awful. But I don't know. I don't think the stats actually say that. I think he's had three injuries this year and two concussions. I think that's played a lot into his personal form. And I think last year he was absolutely sensational. Do you like him, Rob? Do you think he is the, the left back to move forward with? I, I like him because I think that he has the talent base and he's playing in a bit of a squashed Man United team. And I don't think you can see the best out of players until you get those things fixed. You know, So there, there are certain players that I look at. I talk Harry Maguire, someone who was very good last year, and working in Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's system and finding a way to look good. And this year, he's been kind of exposed, hasn't he? It's been one of the big downfalls of Man United's form is that the captain has completely lost the plot. And I think things fall away around that. So, yes, Luke Shaw, we'd have liked him to have been better this year, no doubt about it. We'd have liked a lot of them to be better. But I do think long-term that I've got no issue with him signing a new contract. He's a really, really good left-back. But you've got to make it work in the system, Scott. You've got to be able to play to his strengths. I said uh, last year that I thought with Luke, the reason why his form had improved is that up here, he just decided, right, I just need to go and be Luke Shaw. No more of this sitting deeper and kind of looking after people and all of this. I get the ball, I'm going to run with it. And I think his injuries have held him back this year. I think those injuries have stopped him physically moving on. And I think you get the right coaching. See, I think Ten Hag would be brilliant for Luke Shaw. He'd let Luke Shaw play much higher up the pitch. They would they would squash the play into that area on the left and right and and double team and play a kind of a more kind of gagging pressing style. I think that would suit Luke Shaw. But whereas I think 
you know, this season, United, everything tactically collapsed, emotionally collapsed. And you can see the players, they don't deal with that pressure very well, do they, as a collective? That, you know, I've said this before, I think there's a few of them who, in terms of mental health, they've really struggled with looking themselves in the mirror and having to do what they've had to do this season at Man United because the direction has not been there, certainly pre-Ralph Ranić, and now as we go into a new manager. It's a lot of uncertainty. Yeah, yeah for sure. I, although I do think, touching on the point there about Ten Hag, I do think that Luke Shaw is probably one of the players in the squad that probably could survive whichever manager does come in because Pochettino gave him his breakthrough at Southampton. He does seem like he could fit Eric Ten Hag's system. So, you know, the relationship is already there with Pochettino as well. Yeah, Luke, Luke Shaw would love to work for Pochettino again. And I know that. 100%. So he would love to work with him again. He's always said it and big admiration for Poch in terms of what he did for him, obviously, at Southampton. And they had a great connection. And I do think that now now Luke Shaw is getting, you know, he's not particularly old. We always think that Luke Shaw's been around forever, but he's getting to become a more of a, a veteran, a senior player, you know, as he moves on in years, that Pochettino would love to have him in his ranks. He'd love a player like that, that buys in and knows knows his systems and how he likes to play. And I think that that Luke Shaw is a guy that needs to have a manager that works with him, not against him. Yeah. yeah. So when you had a, a Mourinho working against him, they really suffered. He couldn't really, he couldn't bring his best. And I think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, credit to Ole, did empower several players at United to be better by looking after them and saying, you know, go out there and be the best version of yourself that you can be. I think Pochettino would be that kind of coach for Luke Shaw. Yes, indeed. We'll see how Luke Shaw does in England's friendly against Cote d'Ivoire. Uh, I believe that obviously Portugal are in action on Tuesday night as well. And there's a number of other United players. Although one thing, the Rob, I, I have noticed is there was a picture the other day of uh, all the goalkeepers in a line. And I thought to myself, during an international break, every single United goalkeeper is not on international duty they're at club level. And you've got Jaden Sancho, you've got Marcus Rashford, you've got other players there as well who are not representing their country in the yeah. international break. And that's a damning thing <laughs> at the moment, isn't it? It's damning, but I'm all right with it. I yeah, always I'm say this. It, I, I but... always say this. I, I'm really quite pleased that a lot of them got dropped and that they've had to spend two weeks sitting down with Ralph. And they've had no choice about that. You know, So United did uh, put on some bits for the players that were remaining in terms of... Uh, not training camps, but they did certain things away from the cameras to try and try and reboot the season. And I'm good with that because I think that's what you want from a manager like Ralph Ranić. And you're right, you know, being dropped, all of those players being dropped. Like people say, no, David Hayes had a great season. Why would you drop him? And I'm like, well, he's not particularly good with his feet. It's a problem. Mm -hmm. You know, the Spain are like, we need to move on from this. So Man United need to have, I think, a little bit more of a progressive stance to the players. And of course, once they're back in the team and doing well, they'll be straight back in those international squads. But there is a marker, I think, with someone like, again, with like Rashford, Jaden Sancho, all these players, they kind of have this thing about if they're not in the international squads, there's a, a re-evaluation that goes on. And I think that's quite an interesting thing because I think that they need to go and play better and more consistently. And then they'll get their international caps back. That's where how it works. But they need to perform for Man United first and not England. Of course, it is a World Cup year that's coming up in November. So they are running out of time to get back in that squad. But although I think this England squad was more of an experimental one. Yeah. So I think Southgate's probably decided on some players and their positions. But we'll see as we go on throughout the rest of this season and into next season, whichever manager United do choose. Uh, just a reminder, you can subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify and the likes. 
Uh, and you can watch us twice a week on Tuesdays and Fridays. So head over to our YouTube channel, hit the like button, subscribe, join the community, comment, and let us know what you think of the show. Nice ones would be appreciated. Uh, the link should be in the description of this episode if you're listening on audio. And just another reminder, you can find us un- on Twitter too, at underscore Scott Saunders for me, at underscore Rob underscore B for Rob, and for the show at Promised Land MU. Thank you very much for listening, everyone, and we'll catch you soon. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.